There are times where you'll want things to work out and it doesn't, but looking in retrospect, you'll understand why it didn't happen for you at that moment. Your mistakes, unsuccessful relationships, missed opportunities, and failures can be there to teach you something if you're willing to learn. Sometimes you are actually being redirected to something better. Things truly do happen for a reason, even if you don't understand what that reason is right away. Blacker Things on Instagram. Hello, good morning. My name is Jocelyn, and this is happening. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the I Am Loved podcast. This episode is coming to you as close to live as possible. I'm writing this on Monday the 30th, recording this on Monday the 30th, editing and posting. I started this episode a couple times, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And you know what? It was a really hard week. So most of what you're getting today is emotion. Things are hard, and I'm tired. I saw a tweet this morning from Ariana Lenarski. She said, I'm tired of being a part of a major historical event, and I am too. We experience a sort of privilege when we read history. The privilege of knowing how it ends, if it works out, if the good guys win. But here and now, we don't have those answers. We're operating at street view, not aerial view. And all the information is exhausting, especially since it seems we haven't been guaranteed victory. This is all a lot. I've been home an undetermined number of days, my period came, and I probably could have drank more water. In times like these, I experience heightened emotions and feel as though I have to make a significant life decision on short notice. It induces stress, emotional eating, and tears. In times like these, when I'm not sure if it's my hormones that are out of whack or if I'm actually that sad, I check in with myself. Remember that list of questions I overviewed on my intro episode? If not, it's all good. They're on my Instagram. You can follow along and answer them for yourself at the I Am Loved podcast. Number one, where have I focused my energy in the past week? How has that been affecting me? A lot of the things in my life that used to end with a period now end with a question mark. Should I force myself to spend time with God when I really don't want to? Why do I have so little patience for other Christians? Why do we feel the need to categorize every person we encounter? Why can't people be multiple things or belong to multiple experiences at once? Doesn't that do them a disservice? Is it responsible for Christians to behave as though their lives haven't changed in the midst of a global crisis, even if they say they're responding by faith? Does having that question alone put me on the wrong side? You know casual, everyday questions. I believe I'm going through a process called individuation. In a nutshell, it's the process of separating yourself and becoming autonomous. Toddlers go through it when they tell their parents no and discover self-awareness. The first time I remember individuating was in college, when my education prompted my then very conservative socio-political beliefs to change. The second time was when I moved to LA almost two years ago, and that individuation was much more literal. I was in a new city with no friends, and I had to build my inner home from scratch. This is the third time I'm experiencing individuation. It feels like the stakes are higher, and the decisions I make could affect me long term. 
It's affecting my relationship with my parents in that it's hard to interact with people who are so set in their ways when mine are constantly in flux. As mentioned, it's affecting my relationship with God and the church. Everything important to me, justice, representation, all of it, is being tried and questioned. During my last two individuation experiences, I slowly worked through all my inner questions and found answers that made sense. Now, I feel like I need to have answers yesterday. Individuation comes with a lot of uncertainty, much like what we're experiencing with coronavirus, and even guilt. I'm scared. Objectively, I know this is a normal process every 20-something experiences, but within myself, I don't have all the answers. Before I go on, though, I want to express gratitude for my therapist. She made me aware of individuation and is helping me navigate that process. I'm loving having someone see my life through a different lens and advise me how to proceed. I'm blessed to be able to go to therapy and talk about my life with someone I trust. Everything I said was just really deep and heavy, so I had to bring it back to gratitude. Number two, how can I give myself grace this upcoming week? I want to allow myself to adjust to this new normal, even if I feel like I should have adjusted to it by now. I don't want to wake up to immediate guilt for sleeping in so late or be frustrated for not maintaining productivity every waking moment. I want to allow myself to be in every situation. Otherwise, I cause more stress. Number three, how have I allowed others to support me? I don't love expressing my inner problems to my friends. In fact, I prefer they invite me to share rather than asserting them myself. It makes me feel like a burden. And yet, when I don't talk about those inner problems, they continue to well up. This week, or this last week, I confided in a few of my friends about the inner workings of my heart. I hold each of these women as safe people. I trust they'll sit with me in my experience and offer feedback that calls me higher. I invite you, throughout the next week, to identify your safe people. Ask yourself why they're in that category and give thanks for them. Number four. What were last week's struggles and victories? Even though I said I want to give myself grace for sleeping in, getting up in a reasonable time has been a challenge. However, I think last week, especially, my body needed more rest. It's never my body that suffers sleeping in. It's my idea of productivity. Victories! I learned how to put my braids in a bun. My hair is literally butt length for the time being, and up until Saturday, it took me 20 minutes and five hair ties to put my hair in a low bun type thingamajig, whatever. Shout out to YouTube for getting me to five minutes, one headband, and three bobby pins. I also started an art piece that I've been conceptualizing for the last week, and you'll get to see it on my Instagram. Number five, what am I grateful for having seen, heard, or been a part of this week? Yesterday, I went on a long neighborhood walk. I love taking long walks. Sometimes I'll drive to a different part of town just to walk around. I never go into those walks with a plan. I simply turn onto the streets I want to go. Yesterday, I had a small plan of walking down the main road towards the Arts District, but that ended up going differently. I ended up discovering a completely new part of my neighborhood, and I've lived here almost two years. I connect very strongly with nature. I love seeing the different trees and flowers and the way they frame the houses. I didn't even feel like I was in Hollywood or even LA for that matter. 
I felt like I was in a secret pocket world that only I and the people who lived there knew about. I put on my favorite hoop earrings and a silk scarf for that walk. It wasn't much, but God, I felt pretty. Also, on my way home, a man who looked just like Henry Cavill smiled at me. Apparently, he has homes in both LA and the United Kingdom, so we'll say it was him and call it a day. Number six, what do I need for myself most in this moment? Oh, food, maybe an ice cream sandwich, a hug, a head massage, the assurance that I don't need to be anywhere except where I am right now. Less screen time, more worship time. Music reminds me just how much I love God. Okay, there we go. I tried to articulate that many different times over the last few days, and each time left me emotionally drained. Today, I feel lighter, so I know I said what I needed to say. Remember how I said I would share my weekly plans with y'all? It's harder to make plans when you're confined to your house. That said, I'm still making plans. I'll continue to exercise five days this week. I came across a ladder challenge that consists of 10 squats and 10 push-ups, nine squats and nine push-ups, etc., all the way down to one squat and one push-up. To make it harder, I'm doing squat thrusters. So I rest 10 pound weights on my shoulders as I lower into my squat, and when I stand, I thrust them into the air. It's challenging, but it gets easier as you get closer to one. As if that isn't enough, I'm doing the Chloe Ting two-week shred challenge. These workouts are primarily interval training and ab-focused. It's mostly for fun, and it's something different to do between my regular training programs. I may also replenish my skincare and body care products this week. I'm almost out of a lot of things, including my core items, serum, moisturizer, and shea butter, and I think now is a good time to upgrade. I'm looking for a new hyaluronic acid serum, and I want to try Fresh Beauty's Lotus Moisturizers. If you don't know what hyaluronic acid is, it's a hydrating property naturally found in the human body. It's often used in serums and moisturizers to promote skin hydration and elasticity. My skin is drier than the state of California, so I always use a serum as a pre-moisturizer and apply when my skin is damp. If I don't use it, my skin can tell something is missing. I've been using Trader Joe's Hyaluronic Acid Serum for a long time, and it's a great, affordable, basic option. It's literally $8. If you want to try a serum but don't know how your skin will respond, I recommend starting there. For me, I think it's time to try something a little more concentrated. My body is also drier than the state of California. Last night, oh my god, I literally had a dream that I didn't moisturize below my ankles and when I took off my socks, y'all, it was horrifying. Lotion alone doesn't work for me, so I exclusively use shea butter to moisturize. One of my best friends put me onto the brand Body Butter lately. Back in the days when we could leave our house, she sold her shea butters at Melrose Trading Post. You always knew she was there because you could smell her booth from around the corner. This woman has like eight flavors of shea butter from mango to cherry blossom. They're made with natural ingredients and infused with natural fragrances and straight up make your skin glow. She also has hella body scrubs and black soaps and other skin loving products. Plus, She's black and female owned, so I have to support. 
I blend her patchouli blossom and mango shea butters and I kid you not, it keeps me moisturized for a full day. My skin is still soft and aromatic even after sleeping. Once, a man told me the patchouli blossom scent reminded him of a Madonna album, either like a version or like a prayer. He said Madonna scented her cassettes with patchouli and it brought him back to that moment. Anyway, I could talk about shea butter forever and I'm practically out so I have to get more. I might be the only person who knows I smell good, but it's worth it. Also, hot tip, apply the shea butter when your skin is damp. It absorbs better. You'll thank me later. When I'm going through a lot, or even a little, this is the stuff that makes me feel better. I'm centered after a long shower and leisurely getting ready routine. I treasure the moments when my bathroom is steamy, my lo-fi hip-hop is playing on speaker, and I am double cleansing my face. My getting ready time is the precedent to my day. It frames everything in a clearer light. I'll be sure to put more info about my skin and body care products on the I Am Loved podcast Instagram page. I wasn't always able to take my sweet time getting ready. When I worked a day job, I got up early to exercise, had a quick shower, maybe breakfast, and I was out the door by 8.15. The weekends were my favorite because my time was my own. When I went full-time as a composer, I got to choose how much time I spent getting ready. While that technically hasn't changed, it feels different. It feels like I'm getting ready for something to happen, but I'm waiting to find out what it is. You know, we're all in this stage of waiting, every single one of us around the world. We're waiting for this thing to end. We're waiting for the beaches and hiking trails to reopen and for the bars to have live music and for the world to be safe for us to explore. When will it be ready? Will it be summertime? Will we get to enjoy 2020? When it's time to come out, will we feel like we can make up for the experiences we lost? There's a scene from the movie Jojo Rabbit where the main character, Jojo, is about to leave for his first day at work for the Nazis and his mom gives him a pep talk. Scarlett Johansson is like, you're a top man, prepared to leave the house. And Jojo is like, is it dangerous? And she's like, extremely. That's what it's like. In the same way the world is collectively waiting to get their lives back, I'm waiting to get mine. I've been doing a lot of reflection. This time last year, I was happily single and starting my second quarter at UCLA. I loved spending time with myself, dressing up and going places and pretending I had more money than I did and spending more money than I should. Those were the benefits of a lot of inner work I did after I graduated from college and started washing my face. I thought when I got to college, I would finally get a boyfriend. I didn't see any reason why not. And yeah, there were a couple of guys I was interested in, but they turned out to be dead ends. Long story short, it didn't happen, but I knew there had to be something better. Regardless, I had myself. I figured out the things I love to do. Take long walks in Beverly Hills, buy agua frescas, chase the sunset at the last minute just because I'm close. I loved every minute of my life, and I was excited because I knew at some point I would be able to experience the things I already loved with a significant other. Didn't know when it would happen, but that it would happen. And you know, last summer was the best summer of my life. 
One day, I skipped class so Rye and a classmate and I could meditate at an older Indian couple's house in Culver City. The sun was falling through the trees and I was wearing blue and my hair was long and I was listening to Beyonce's Lion King album nonstop. For the sake of fully experiencing this visual, listen to Keys to the Kingdom. Once, one of the editors on my TV show spontaneously gave us tickets to see Rear Window at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. We got wine and Rye bought me popcorn and we lit on the grass together. There's a lot of staying up late and getting up early and last minute plans. It's too late not to be dramatic as hell. That ish was beautiful. I waited a long time to experience those things. When Ryan and I started dating, I was 22. He was the first man I ever dated. Up until that point, when someone asked for my relationship status, I would say I'd been single for one year longer than I'd been alive. Weird, right? So if I were 21, I'd say I'd been single for 22 years. Surprise, surprise, nothing happened. Before I did my inner work, I said that because I was sure no one wanted to be with me. After I did my inner work, I said that because I think I was scared. But when I was 22, I decided to say I'd been single for 22 years instead of 23. Surprise, surprise, something happened. Before I met Rye, I brainstormed a lot about my future relationships. My friends and I read books like Think Like a Man by Steve Harvey and How to Get the Guy by Matthew Hussey, both of which are actually very good and practical, I recommend. We completed their prompts and evaluated what we wanted in and with a partner. I learned that I wanted my man to have a large capacity for fun. I learned I wanted him to act with integrity. I learned how I wanted us to communicate with each other. I got ready before, so I didn't have to get ready when the opportunity presented itself. With Rye, all of that paid off. My best first case scenario didn't happen by chance. It happened by intention. Now, I'm single again, and that doesn't really bother me. I grew to a place a long time ago where being single in and of itself wasn't a problem. It was just a thing. But this time, I'm waiting for the happiness to kick in. I miss last year's me. I miss my plethora of opportunities. I miss making memories with myself and knowing I'll eventually get to make them with someone whose face I can't quite see yet. I miss not seeing a face. I miss the hopeful expectation of the unknown because now I still go on my walks, but I think of the time Ryan and I walked into an open house for the refreshments or the time he called me when I was in Larchmont Village, or I can think of so many things. I know I'll be happily single again. I'm waiting for the day I have a clean palette to work with and yesterday's baggage no longer applies. I just don't know when that will happen. Thursday night, I had a house party with Rye and our school friends. You know that app that's basically group FaceTime but with virtual card games? Yeah, that stupid thing. We were on the phone for a couple hours acting ridiculous and making the best of our limited social options. Rai's hair grew out and his cat had grown and overall he still looks like that and it's annoying. The social interaction felt good in the moment but afterward it just felt lonely. It made going to sleep hard. It made getting up hard and it made the rest of the day not great. It wasn't a good decision, I know. 
I went against my isolation from my ex boundary and made me remember why I set that boundary in the first place. But regardless of what I said, I still want to be in his space. It's like eating whole milk ice cream when you're lactose intolerant. Tastes great in the moment, hurts in five minutes. Last night, I had a dream. I was back at UCLA for a new class and I didn't read the syllabus beforehand. I didn't know for our first class we already had homework due. Some friends printed extra copies of the homework and because I didn't want to be empty-handed, I went to the bathroom to complete it before class started. As I left the classroom, I saw Rye walk into the building. All smiles, fresh haircut, looking like that. I wanted to see him, but I knew I had to do my homework, so I went to the bathroom. By the time I finished, class was over and everyone left. Later, I had some weird midnight errand I had to run with a friend, and I told her I felt like I had to be there to prevent him from falling for the next hottest girl in the room. Then I woke up. The story I'm making up in my head is that Rye is big chillin'. He's already recovered. Maybe he didn't have anything to recover from. I mean, he broke up with me, so he had to have somewhat detached himself in preparation. Though his reason for breaking up with me is real, and we'll get into that later, the story I'm making up is saying he's already thinking about the woman whose face he can't quite see yet, or maybe he's already seen it. My dreams tend to reveal my deeper feelings. I think this dream is showing me my fear that Rai somehow didn't care enough about me to wait to move on. Objectively, I don't think that's true but feelings outweigh objectivity. All right, y'all, I had to take a break. I was crying and it was difficult to think clearly, so I had breakfast, watched an episode of Bon Appetit where Brad Leone made charred tomato toast and took a small nap. Everything, and I do mean everything, feels less desolate. I can finish strong. Hey, Rai, for the record, I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know if the aftermath of our breakup was difficult for you at all, or if you are, in fact, big chillin'. I remember the time you told me you wanted me to look back and have fond memories of my first relationship, and I already do. I hope you look back on ours and have the same feelings. I don't know yet what healing looks like. I don't know what to look for. What if I arrive at healing but I still think about him or see him when I sleep. What impact will my first love have on the rest of my life? One night when I was laying in bed and crying, I thought to myself, maybe this is a really beautiful time and I just don't know it yet. Maybe future me will look back with love in her eyes and answers for all my questions and say, my darling young woman, it was hard, but you came through it. If it's all a matter of perspective, I'm just waiting on the light to change. Here's how you healthily recover from a breakup thus far. Number one, remember that recovery is a spiral. When you feel like you're going in circles, adjust your perspective. You're still moving up and into the light, even if you're moving slowly. Number two, on the days when everything hurts and you're dying, you don't have to find a way to fix it immediately. Allow yourself to be still in your state of being. 
Acknowledge its presence and acknowledge that it will pass. Number three, find something you can do every day that recenters you. Exercise, take a walk, or take a long shower with music and aromatherapy. Commit to use that time to listen to your inner needs and fulfill them. Number four, when you're not feeling the day and you have the opportunity, go back to sleep. It changes everything. Last week, I felt most beautiful when I launched this podcast. It came to fruition after about a month of conceptualizing and confiding in my therapist and closest friend. I found in just over a week of being launched that this is hard work. I'm recording, editing, posting, and marketing on my own. Somehow, this requires more mental energy than writing music. But when it's done, it's worth it. I'll be back next week with more intentional healing. In the meantime, connect with me on Instagram at the I Am Loved Podcast and my personal account, Brown Eyed Joe. And always know this all healing is good healing, even when tears are involved. You are fully cherished, fully valued, and fully loved. Treat yourself like it.